So those themes help us to understand that the Exodus is the quintessential model of redemption in all of Scripture. It's so profound and crucial to understand this. The Exodus, as we'll see the historicity in just a moment, it did happen. And it also points forward to another historical event, which would be the new and greater Exodus that's been in the New Testament here. So if you take a look at your notes, I got a good quote here from your commentary that I recommend, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. And it says, like no other event in the early biblical history, the exodus from Egypt looms large in the Bible as the premier paradigm of salvation. You can underline that. That's so true and it's so crucial. Indeed, later biblical books, including those in the New Testament, will look back on the exodus' deliverance as God's pledge of something still greater to come. A more definitive redemption and a more perfect covenant awaiting the people in the future. That is really, really important. So we see the Exodus all over Scripture, not just in this book that we're going to study here in the next number of weeks. We even see the Exodus back in Genesis. It was foretold to Abraham that the Exodus would take place, right? We saw that in chapter 15. But even before that, in chapter 12 of Genesis, we saw that Abraham himself pre-lived the Exodus. If you go back to chapter 12, verses 10 through following, if you remember... Abraham, or Abram at the time, of course, goes down to Egypt because of a famine. And then God delivers Abraham with plagues. Plagues strike Pharaoh's house, and then they leave with great wealth. That's exactly what we're going to see here in the Exodus story. So they go down to Egypt because of a plague. God strikes them with plagues, and then they depart. Right? Obviously, that's the, you know, the broad stroke of it. But Abraham pre-lives the Exodus himself. like He kind of endures and lives out what his descendants will experience as a nation. So in Genesis, we we find the Exodus. Obviously, the Exodus event happens here. But even in the historical period of the, of the monarchy, right, the United Kingdom, really the divided kingdom, we have kind of a reversal event going on where uh, Israel, the northern and the divided, northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, kind of regress backwards into a state of spiritual slavery as well as physical slavery as well as a matter of fact, right? So they begin to worship all the false gods of the pagans and the Canaanites and they're living like them and they're, they're turning away from God. They're spiritually enslaved during this divided kingdom period just like they're spiritually enslaved here during the period when they lived in Egypt. And then they get conquered. In fact, Egypt conquers Judah all right, and defeats Judah at one point. And then ultimately there's the great exile, the Assyrian exile in 722 and the Babylonian exile in 586. The, the descendants of Abraham here once again are in a foreign land and God is going to deliver them. So there's a lot to say there, which we'll talk about in another time. Or you can go to my Salvation History course where I talk about it a bunch there. But Israel finds themselves kind of like in a new Exodus scenario where God sends prophets to them and say, I'm going to deliver you. So in fact, in your notes, you'll find here in the footnote, I put one of my favorite verses about a promise of a new Exodus coming forth in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. And that's what it says. For I will take you from the nations and I will gather you again from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from your, all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. You shall dwell in the land which I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. It's beautiful, and there's some other references for you as well. We can't get into all of them for the sake of time. But Ezekiel 36, I think, really gets at the point of there's going to be a new exodus. I'm going to gather you back again, and I'm going to purify you again, and you're going to be my people again. 
ultimately this is going to happen with Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So you've got this renewal of the slavery event happening in the period of the kings. They go into exile. Yes, they kind of in an initial way uh, come back to the land, but all the tribes are still scattered. So when will God regather his people again? That is the New Testament, and that's Jesus Christ here. So the Exodus and all the events, the big picture themes that we've been talking about from slavery to sonship is the name of the course. And we see those themes in the structure like we talked about. Uh, that All those themes here point forward to Jesus and are fulfilled perfectly with Jesus and his church, right? So the deliverance from slavery, the conquest of Egypt, the call to sonship through the establishment of the covenant at Mount Sinai, all of that points forward to Jesus. In Jesus Christ, we experience this new exodus. We are gathered back again, not just physically, but spiritually speaking here. We live this greater exodus, this greater deliverance here. We're delivered from Satan, sin, and death, right? Satan is, well, Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Satan is conquered. He is defeated here. And we're made children of God through the covenant at Calvary here. So it's all pointing forward to Jesus. And the big scheme of things, but also in the minor details as well, you can see all these great things pointing forward to the, to the church and the sacramental life of the church. So, for example, the Passover lamb is like the biggest example, right? The Passover lamb is slain. The people are freed. Jesus is the Passover lamb, according to John, right? John chapter 1. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Lots to say there. We'll get into all those details later on. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the new Passover lamb. Uh, then crossing the Red Sea from slavery to freedom on the other side. That, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, is a type of baptism. Okay, And then the wilderness wanderings. Everyone always forgets about the wilderness wanderings. The wilderness wanderings are typological as well because it points forward to our wandering in the desert of this life. Right? We don't. The, the promised land is a type of heaven. We could add that one as well. But we don't just go straight from baptism to heaven. I mean, we have a foretaste of heaven, of course, but we're wandering in this life and it feels like a desert a lot of the time here. And so the wilderness wanderings point forward to our time on this earth, okay? And then the manna, the manna, of course, points forward to the Eucharist because as God gave them manna to sustain them in the wilderness wanderings, so he gives us Jesus and the bread of life, the new manna during our wanderings on this earth, okay, for our journey. And then the tabernacle. The tabernacle is really the crescendo and the high point of the entire book where God can dwell amongst his people and be in their midst. Well, that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, where Jesus in the incarnation is God dwelling within our, in our midst here. John chapter 1, verse 14 says literally, Jesus became man and tabernacled amongst us, right? So there's so many other examples as well, and we're going to go through all of these in this course to see how the Exodus is, in the New Testament, completes that of the Old Testament. And one more little passage I want to share with you before we move on to the historicity of the Exodus, and that is Luke 9.30. When does this great new spiritual Exodus take place? Uh, when is it fulfilled with Jesus Christ? When, do all, when are all the prophets fulfilled, like Ezekiel 36 we just saw? It's at the Paschal Mysteries. And we know this because of the transfiguration in Luke 9:30 verses, uh, yeah, Luke 9:30 through 31. If you see your notes here, it says, "Behold, two men talked with him, talked with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem." So the Paschal mysteries, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus 
is the accomplishment of this great exodus. Jesus endures it, and we endure it with him through the sacraments, of course. Um, but that's how, that's how we understand the Paschal Mysteries, in fact, is this conquering of Satan, sin, and death, and deliverance from uh, spiritual bondage, and bringing, uh, bringing us freedom in Christ again. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So we have a lot to, st- a lot to talk about throughout these next number of weeks, but I just want you to see here that the Exodus isn't just a cool story in the Old Testament. It has profound consequences and reverberations throughout all the rest of the Bible, okay? So with that, then let's look at part three. Is the Exodus, Exodus historical? Can we date it? Hi, I'm Dr. Nick. Thank you so much for watching this clip. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to access the entire lesson and the entire course, come visit us over at scriptureandtradition.com and join our community of students. You'll be able to access all of my courses in the audio library. Plus, you'll be able to access my live courses whenever I teach a new topic on scripture or the Catholic faith. God bless you.